the one thing that changes everything. The one thing that changes everything. If you were with us last week, we walked through Isaiah chapter 5, and it, it was a difficult chapter. A chapter of judgment and a pronouncement. We talked about that spiritual EKG being revealed. We saw the latest results of Israel's test score. And the truth was that they were adding house to house, land to land. Um, they were chasing after strong drink. They were living in drunkenness and parties. They had become to a place where they called evil good and good evil. They were calling the light darkness and the darkness light. They said if God's really God, then let him show up and do something about it. Let him come quickly. I mean, there was all of these mindsets and spiritual attitudes toward God and toward sin. And we just went, wow. And you remember the text kind of closed and said, God says, listen, because you guys have rejected my word, you've, you've closed the book on my word. I want you to know what I'm going to do. I'm going to whistle. And there's going to come a nation. Now, the Assyrians were coming toward the northern kingdom, but even to the land of Judah, the Babylonians are going to show up on your doorstep. And there's going to be judgment. And I don't know about you, but can you imagine if you are there in Isaiah's shoes and you're wondering, man, God, where do I even go from here? Like, how do you even leave a chapter five of your life? And the truth is, some of you may be in the midst of a chapter five. Some of you today, when you knock on the door in a little bit, you're going to knock on the door. People in the midst of brokenness. They've just received the, the, the most recent test score or a revelation about their prognosis is not good. Their finances are collapsing. They're not sure where they're going to go. They might not even sure about the electricity bill that's got to be paid or the cutoff notice is coming. They don't know and you may not see the scar that they're dealing with of the fact that that person they loved and cared for is no longer here. And it seems like it's 10,000 years away before they'll heal. You have no idea about the conversations they've had, the things that have taken place in their life this week. So the reality is many of us will knock on the lives of people right in the midst of Isaiah chapter 5. They don't recognize God. They don't see Him for who He is. And there, there's literally spiritual blinders. You sang it earlier. Though the eye of sinful man, thy glory may not see, but thou alone art holy. You just declared that anthem of praise a few moments ago. And so the question before Isaiah and I think before us is what do we do in moments of life when there is despair and utter brokenness? And I think that's the beauty of Isaiah 6. And the beauty of Isaiah 6 is that there's one thing that changes everything. And I want to answer maybe today just four questions. Again, it's going to be, we're going to move pretty fast as we prepare to go out. But listen, the first question I want to answer is this. What's the only thing that can bring hope to the broken? What is the only thing today when you knock on that door that can bring hope in the midst of their brokenness? Watch this. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. That will change everything. In the midst of brokenness and utter disparity, in the midst of a land and a people that are turning away from their God and the truth of His Word, beloved, we must look and remember that our God is still seated on the throne. Hallelujah! 
He is high and He is lifted up. It is the only thing that will change everything is to remind you and I in the midst of our situations of chaos in our lives is that our God has not abdicated His throne. He has not left the throne. He is still seated on the throne. Look what it says here. He is high and lifted up. And the train of His robe filled the temple. I think it's interesting that it says it's in the year that King Uzziah died because the reminder is that we too, like the grass of the field and the flowers of the field, will fade away. But the word of the Lord and the living God lives what? Forever. Is it not shocking? This great king, Uzziah, who is ruling over this people, he is gone, and yet God is still seated and ruling and reigning. There's a reminder of you and I, frailty and humanity and our mortality. There's a momentousness. I'm not sure that's even a word, but the reminder of the brevity of each and every breath that you and I draw here and now. And yet there is God still seated upon His throne. And look what it says. You were singing again earlier, much of the language of Isaiah 6. Above him stood the seraphim. Well, my hope and prayer is that if the Lord wills, we return next Sunday. We'll return more to Isaiah 6 and, and, and deal with some of these things in greater depth. But um, So I want to give maybe just a big overview of it this week. Above him stood the seraphim, the first time and the only time we meet them there. And it says they have six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is who? The Lord of hosts. The God that is above all other gods. And then notice what he says about who this God is and how great he is. It says the whole earth is full of what? Of his glory. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It is a beautiful moment that we and I, listen, you and I in this moment, we're not worshiping the God of Greensburg. You are worshiping the King of glory, the one who is seated on his throne in the heavens right now, who rules and reigns above all other gods. This is a reminder of who you are worshiping. And literally, as, as Corey read there in Revelation 4, it says, Day and night, they never stop saying. So there's this indication from all eternity, since these angels, these, these seraphim, whatever these creatures are that were created, they have never ceased to stop saying in God's presence, Holy, holy, holy. There is something, again, the word holiness indicates a uniqueness, a separateness, that this God is unlike anyone else. This God who is seated on the throne is good and worthy of worship. But notice again, it says the whole earth is full of his glory. It will extend today to the door in which you knock on. It will extend to the life of the children in this community that we hope to pray and we hope and pray we reach with the gospel this week or in the weeks to come. It will remind them that there is a God who rules and reigns no matter how bad their brokenness is today. No matter how bad the prognosis is, they need to be reminded today that there is a God who is on His throne and He is good. This past Wednesday night, we're going to share an audio clip with you just in a moment. But this past Wednesday night, I had gone to sleep and I don't know if I was dreaming or if I woke up and it was on my heart. But when the moment I woke up again, I'm not sure if it was I'd been dreaming about it or whatever, but the moment either way, either way, I, the moment I woke up, this song was on my heart. 
It's a song that um, is written by the pastor that I serve with there in Zimbabwe in the village of Machingo. And um, he, he wrote it. Um, and just one of my favorite things about staying with him and his family is each night they would have a family time of worship. And this brother has some vocals, man. He can, he can bring it. And it would fill their house. And just the presence of the Lord is that he and his family would sing and clap and worship the Lord together. And so as I woke up this past Wednesday night, this song was just there, and I just began to sing it in my heart. He'd shared it with me through the WhatsApp, and um, I'd been listening to it and just thinking about it. And, and the interesting thing is, is his wife was expecting their second child, and not sure exactly when the child was going to come, but just been expecting that. And so the amazing thing was is that as we began to reach out to one another the next day, I just said, hey, man, brother, I want you to know, that, man, you guys were heavy upon my heart all through the night. God had laid this song, the song that you had written and sang, laid it upon my heart. And, man, I was just thinking and praying about you guys. He says, well, here's the amazing thing. He says that obviously that was 9-ish, 10-ish, our time. So there's about a six or seven hour advantage on them ahead of us. Is it was during the early mornings of Thursday that his wife would go into labor and have some serious issues with her blood pressure and different things and bring forth their child. And so... I want you to listen to these words. Again, thinking about this God who has the whole earth is full of his glory, right? The context of does this God really rule over the whole earth? Listen to these words. As I'll put them on the screen. You listen to them. This is Pastor Maponga. share with my brother early Thursday morning. Makes me miss them, don't you, Rev? Hearing those voices, man. Uh, just when you heard them transition to other language, I'll never forget the first night we're sitting around the table 
and we're having just some brief dialogue about each other. It's pitch dark. There's no electricity in the village. And in fact, that was much of the time we were there. The, the electricity was out. So there was just a brief flicker of candlelight. We were just seeing one other across the table, but it was, it was extremely dark. And I remember they asking the question. They said, now, they posed it like this. Now, do you only speak English? <laughs> because everybody there speaks at least, right, um, two languages, many more. But you heard they, they transitioned from English into their tribal language. But again, the reason why I share that was is because the reminder to me and to my brother Maponga is there's a God who spans the oceans, who can speak to men in dreams, who knows all languages, who sees all things, who knows and sees his wife there in the midst of labor and can speak to a pastor here in the United States, a brother in Christ, and wake him up or give him a dream of that song and move his spirit to prayer. That's the God whom we serve, beloved. That's the greatness of our God. He is across all oceans. He sees all things, speaks all languages, loves and cares for all. And so when we hear again back there in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, the whole earth is full of His glory. It truly is. The whole earth is full of His glory. So again, it brings us now to maybe another question I ask. What's the result of seeing God's glory? What's the result for Isaiah of seeing God's glory, right? Sometimes we sing that, Lord, show us your glory. Watch what happens here. Here's the response of seeing God's glory. It says, verse 4, And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for he, look at how he defines himself, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips in the midst of seeing God's glory. He sees his sinfulness and the sinfulness of everybody else around him. That's why, listen, as you go to knock on that door today, I want to compel and urge you. Yes, let's invite them to VBS. But more than that, share the gospel with them. Only in the midst of seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ, death, burial and resurrection, do we recognize or I pray to God we see our sinfulness. Why would God's Son go there? What does that say about my sin? What does that say about my separation from a holy God? That only the Son of God could bring me back into relationship with Him. And that's what Isaiah is saying. Listen, guys, I'm lost. He says, I am an unclean person. And everybody I know, according to Romans 3 and 23, for all have what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, when you see God in His glory, right, and you say, Blake, maybe you're, you're reaching here. Now, look what he says. Look at this. Look at this. Four, he says. Look what he says there. My eyes have seen who? He's seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He says, listen, my eyes have seen the King. My eyes have seen the God of all glory. My eyes have beheld the one who is unlike me. He is holy. He is separate. I am not like him. And I don't know anybody that is like that God. He says, listen, so that kind of brings us to the point of like asking them maybe this question. What's the remedy for our sin? If that's who this God is and we in our sinfulness are separate from him, what is the remedy? Like, what could I do maybe to get things right? Like, how do I get back on the same page with this God? Look what the text shows us. Then, verse 6 of Isaiah 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs. Notice it comes from the altar. The reason why is because according to Leviticus there in the temple, there was always 
the fire that was burning, the altar that was burning. That's the place where the sacrifice would be offered. And he's saying, listen, I want you to know there's something coming from the place of sacrifice. There's something coming from the altar. Something that has happened here that has appeased God. Something that's happened on this altar that is going to now come to you. Watch what he says. Verse 7. And he touched my mouth. Isn't it beautiful that Isaiah has just professed he's a man of unclean what? Lips. God knows the areas right where our sin is. And he knows the perfect remedy right there in your heart. He knows every area of sin in your life, no matter how bad or awful or unforgivable you think it is. God knows and sees it and his grace and mercy covers it. Blessed be his name. Listen, we must take this news to the to Greensburg today. We have to. He touched my mouth and said, behold, look what he says. This has touched your lips, right? Again, the this is pointing back to this burning coal from the altar. He's saying, listen, there's something that's happened. It's touched your lips, your guilt, right? Guys, look, our guilt, our shame. Look what he says about it. It's what? It's taken away. Your sin. He says it's been atoned for. Why? Because something's come from the altar. Isaiah, listen, confesses that need, but God is there showing him, listen, I want you to know the one thing that can take away the sin of men and women, boys and girls. He says there is one thing and one thing only. It is what God has done ultimately through Christ, what has come from this altar, this place of sacrifice. Something has come and it's atoned for, right? The word atonement indicates something that would cover a debt. And here's the, here's the reality of this, the gravity of this moment. The debt that you and my sin is, it's against the holy God and it's infinite. We can never, ever pay it. Isaiah has no way to pay off his uncleanness, his sin, his guilt. He cannot take it away. Right? The debt is too great. That's what the word atonement means. There's someone that now is going to pay a debt that is too great that you and I could never pay. The debt that someone, when you knock on that door today, they could never, ever pay. And the beauty is, listen, he says, I want you to know that Christ has come, that the sacrifice from this altar is the only thing that will atone for it. Guys, listen, that's what must move us. I shared it last week when we were going door to door just a few weeks back. Em and I were driving in the van. And and if you're new here, that's, that's my bride. That's her name, Em. But listen, and she says, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I don't know what this is going to look like. I was like, babe, I'm afraid, too. Listen, all of you here today may be afraid right now. Blake, I'm not sure I'm cut out for this, dude. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to say. Like, who am I going to encounter? I don't know either. The one thing I do know is that in the midst of your and my weakness, His power is what? Made perfect. His power is perfect in our weakness. So if you're today or weak, I'd say you're in a really good spot. The danger might be for those that think, I'm the only one here that's qualified to go and do this. Of course, I'll go. Let me show you how it's done. No, beloved, just come. Bow yourself before your God. Recognize that He alone is the one that can atone and pay the sin debt. So the question might be as we come to a close, what's the right response to God's grace and mercy? Right? If this is this holy God and my sin, I'm unclean and I'm separating everybody I know is. But yet the good news is, is that there's a God who is willing to atone, to pay the debt of sin. And ultimately that payment came in the life of his perfect sinless son. What's the right response to God's grace and mercy? Look what he says here. I need to jump back. Sorry. Verse eight. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will what? Who will go for us? 
it's interesting again to use that that name us and who will go for us as if again and we had this reminder here of father son holy spirit whom are we going to send today who amongst greensburg will go for us i love what isaiah says and i think it's the only response to grace and mercy here i am what send me send me I can't explain why you've heard the good news of the gospel. I cannot explain why you are here and why you grew up maybe in the family you did and maybe you've been in the church all your life or maybe by God's great grace you've just in the last few weeks or months God's begun doing a work in your life. I cannot explain that, but I would tell you that you and I have a responsibility for that. And it is to take the gospel. It is to answer the question that Isaiah had to answer. Who will go for us and whom shall we send? Here am I. Send me. I want to compel you. Listen, guys, it is our response to the gospel. Here am I. Send me, Lord. I know you could, you could pick others. There's people such, so much more qualified. There's people so much more gifted. Man, I go on and on. I know time's tight today. That's the response. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'll go, God. How could I not go after what you've done for me? You've taken away my sin, God. You've taken away my uncleanness, God. You paid the debt for my dirty life, God. You have washed someone like me. How can I not now respond by saying, Lord, here am I, send me. You want me a VBS? I'll be a VBS. They need bus drivers at church? I'll drive the bus. You need somebody to pick up the trash, Lord? I'll help pick up the trash. God, you need someone to go and knock on doors? God, I'm going to go knock on doors. Lord, whatever you want. God, you want me to witness at work this week? God, how can I not say, here am I, send me. Look what you've done for me. Guys, the gospel demands our response, our allegiance because of the great act of love that he has shown us in his beloved son, Jesus. So as we come today, maybe you're wondering, Blake, what's it going to look like when I go knock on that door in a few minutes? Well, it depends on who's in your group. But here's probably what my plan is. I'm going to knock on the door, and hopefully I'm going to encourage one of my boys whether I have to bribe them with candy. I don't know. But my, my plan is to let them invite them to VBS. Say, hey, we'd love for you to come. Do you have any kids here? We'd love for you to come to VBS. If my kids won't do it, then Emily's going to, right? <laughs> but then my hope and prayer is, again, this three circles, you see it on there. You're going to have a flyer in a minute, right? You're going to have a door hanger, right? So you're not going to be up there empty-handed. You have a door hanger. Um, on that door hanger and have these three circles has some few more scriptures on it but i might just ask them how are things in your life going is there anything maybe we could pray for you about and my assumption is most people usually have something they would like for you to pray about somebody's sick somebody's hurting something's going on occasionally we encounter folks we did last time went door to door nah nothing i might follow that up with a question like this do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? Like, how do you live a life where you don't have anything going on, everything seems okay? Like, who, who, how do you live like that? Maybe share with me more, right? But when I hear again about them in the midst of their brokenness, most of the time when you ask that question, anything I can pray for you about or how's things going for you, and they begin to share about this brokenness, then I would bring them back to this God's design, this circle to say, you know what? Man, that's not what God intended. I hate to hear that you, man, that you, your family members passed or... This is going on with your finances or your health. But you know that that's not, 
God's design. That God created everything in the beginning. It was very good. But unfortunately, sin came into the world. Right? See that? Sin came into the world. And it distorted everything. Sin is when we, we, we break God's law. We don't honor and obey Him. And that sin just brought about brokenness. And listen. As you share, man, this is going to be important. Share your story. Share about your brokenness. Right? Share the fact that you have sin in your own life. That you struggle. That you're not perfect. Right? As you're sharing the gospel with these folks, you're sharing the truth. That guess what? I know what brokenness looks like for me. I know what it looks like when, when people in my family died. Or I, I, Here's what it looks like when I've rebelled against God. Here's something I've been struggling with. And here's the good news. Listen, that brokenness, guess what, guys? It just leads to more and more brokenness, more and more stepping away from God and His design. But the good news is, listen, we've got to share that Jesus came. That's the gospel. The word gospel means what? Good news. There's good news. That God loves us even in the midst of our brokenness. That God sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us even in the midst of our sin. It is the good news of the gospel that there is hope and there is forgiveness no matter what you've done or no matter what's, what's, what's going on in your life. And the response simply is to repent. That's to acknowledge that there's sin in your life and your way's wrong and God's way's right. And just believe on the name of Jesus Christ that He died to take away your uncleanness. Right? You just heard the gospel this morning, Isaiah 6. That they would believe on that. And the Bible says, listen, guys, not only is the gospel is good news because they are clean, they've, they're made clean. They also are called, look, to recover and pursue God's design. And it's not in the power of them. It's in the power of God living in them. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we are not trying to get out and make people religious folks. Like, oh, you got to clean your life up. you got to be perfect enough now. you got to do this or that. No, it is the power of God's Holy Spirit within any of us that can overcome the sin and brokenness in our lives. It's the power of God's Spirit. So we've got to share with them. Listen, I want you to know, not only can you be clean before God, accepted by Him because of His Son, Jesus, but if you will repent and believe today, God will send His Spirit to live inside of you to empower you to overcome. Man, it's the truth of the gospel. And listen, every time I share it, it's probably going to look and sound a little bit different. I've just got to follow the Spirit's leading. You've got to follow the Spirit's leading. But again, you're going to have a little a door hanger there today. You're going to have these circles on there. I encourage you, invite them to VBS, but then ask about the prayers or how might you share the gospel. You've got different ways of sharing the gospel. I'm sure many of you use the ways that God has gifted and empowered you but man, let's go out and share this good news. Let's go out and invite Greensburg KY to come to VBS. And most importantly, let's go out and invite them to come and consider the name of Jesus Christ. I wonder today, have you made that decision in the midst of your sin and brokenness? Today, have you heard the good news of the gospel? If so, the Bible calls you and I to repent and believe on the name of Jesus receiving the offer of forgiveness and the empowerment of God's Holy Spirit that you now can recover and pursue God's design for your life because sin and brokenness is not it, beloved. It's the truth and hope of the gospel. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray today that you would empower us. God, only your spirit can do that. 
Father, we pray now for boldness as we go out. God, I pray that you would strengthen us. Just as the early church prayed, God, they prayed. And it says the foundation of that place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and went forth and proclaimed the good news of Jesus. So, Lord, we recognize right now that we don't have the strength and sufficiency in ourselves. We're either tired or we're weary or maybe we're afraid or we have so many things. So, Lord, right now, I pray that the power of your spirit would come upon us to overcome everything and everything that Satan's doing, every bit of weakness in ourselves, every bit of everything that competes against it. Oh, God, may your spirit do the work today, Lord God. Empower us, fill us. God, I pray right now for a filling of my own life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. God, I pray, God, that you would strengthen your people, God. Lord, we pray now for the doors in which we will knock on, God, that you will prepare the hearts and lives already, God, that they will be receptive to the gospel. We pray you'll send us, God. There may be doors that are not even on our map or on our game plan right now that you want us to go to. God, would you lead us there? God, would you direct our steps? Would you direct our feet? Would you drive the vehicles that we're in? God, we just we want to submit all control and authority to you. God, you are in control. You know every heart here. You know every person in this community. God, empower us now. We pray even for the people that aren't at home, that, God, we leave those door hangers. I pray you'll just cause their eyes to see it. I pray you'll use those, God, just to cause their attention and focus to be upon you, that they would see something about the church, God, that they might reach out today. God, empower us again through your Spirit just to glorify your Son. Help us, God. We are weak. We all confess that. We are weak, God. We just thank you for your Son, Jesus. Thank you that he is the one thing that changes everything. God, give us a vision of you and your son high and seated upon your throne. I pray empowerment again for these people. We ask it in the name of Jesus, Lord. Amen. Amen. Never.